mein Gott, hello and hi, and welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution. I'm Kevin, you're in the right place, don't worry, you didn't get lost on the way to your podcast feed this morning. You did it, buddy! I'm so glad to be back in the swing of creating things and moving and grooving and just, I feel like I'm growing in a lot of different directions, so let's just get into it. Um, Before I tell you who's on the show today, and you know her, you love her, it's Jamie Lee Finch, aka The Sex Witch herself, Um, and also one of my really good Judys and someone who has just like really allowed me to grow into myself. Like, what a woman, seriously. Um, But anyways, before I tell you about her, let me tell you about what's going on in my life. Three things. One, if you're somebody out there who has been wanting to get a tarot card reading slash spiritual direction session with me, I've actually changed um, to a sliding scale. So if you are somebody out there and is like, oh, I can't afford that kind of stuff, um, hit me up. Let's make it work. Let's put you on a payment plan if we have to. Let's cut up your payments into different things. No, you don't have to like qualify for shit like Klarna because that stuff is classed and still based off of your credit score. I found it ill gross um, because Lord knows the millennial generation got fucked as far as our credit scores are concerned because, oh, we said go to college, they said. Get a degree, they said. You'll be happy, they said. Now look at us. Repairing our credit scores, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, so all I have to say, it's on a sliding scale now, and if you want to get a tarot reading, um, hit me up at thekevingarcia.com slash tarot. Second thing, I've got my next online workshop happening next month, or excuse me, not next month, end of this month. (laughs) It's going to be July 25th. 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is an introduction to miraculous living, a workshop dedicated to walking you through and reimagining your spirituality. It's gonna gonna be um, we're gonna be unpacking 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 our limiting beliefs, talking about what it means to practice new techniques. We're gonna talk about deep introspection. We're gonna about learning to accepting about accepting love and ourselves as it is and as we are because it is something that is so important we have to start moving ourselves in that direction. Tickets are gonna be on sale uh, by the time this goes live and you can get all those details at thekevingarcia.com slash events slash, you can just look in the description for all that information. And best part, if you are a supporter on Patreon, just go to Patreon, get the code there, sign up. It's part of your perks at $25 or more a month, which is pretty incredible. So you can either like pay less by becoming a supporter and get an amazing workshop experience uh or pay more and pay more you know whatever's whatever you want to do it's really up to you i love you i hope to see you there um last thing the third thing my book bad theology kills is got a little price drop on it all across the board all products for bad theology kills the book the ebook uh kindle um uh regular paperback it's all price dropped all across the board whether it's on my website or on amazon Go check it out. Um, I would love for you to buy from my website if you're gonna get um, an ebook because uh, I get more of the royalties that way. Um, and the one you download from my website is compatible with Kindle. So go buy it there. It's just 11.11, ooh, perfect. If you haven't read it yet, go download it, okay? Perfect. Or buy it, buy it somewhere. You're helping me pay my bills and I think the book's pretty good. Got some really good words on it, so. Don't believe me, try it for yourself. And if you absolutely hate it, um, let me know so I can block you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, that's all for my um, my announcements. So why don't we go ahead and get into our conversation with my friend, Jamie Lee Finch, the sexuality and embodiment coach, the intuitive healer, the self-conversation facilitator, the sex switch, and poet. Simply put, Jamie Lee Finch is a relationship coach between humans and their own bodies. As a survivor of both childhood trauma and religious trauma, Jamie has a deep familiarity with the language used by those who come from the authoritarian backgrounds that we do, and those who have a desire to return to a feeling of wholeness within their bodies after years of assimilating to a belief that required them to separate from themselves. She believes that our bodies have a language and that language is our mother tongue. Trauma in any form, including toxic experiences with authoritarian belief systems, is responsible for breaking down our ability to communicate successfully with our bodies. And because of this, the presence of illness, imbalance, dysfunction, dis-ease can often be considered our body's attempts to connect with and through us and to us. 
the work that Jamie is doing is reconnecting folks to their bodies, uh, the language their body is speaking, and the voice their body is speaking with. It's a deep reconciliation, healing work, and it's, uh, it's healing emotion, mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical pain. Uh, she specializes in the reality of embodiment through the language of relationship, and she works with individuals of all genders who consistently find within themselves an inability to connect with, communicate with, and successfully relate to their own bodies, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. In the conversation today, Jamie and I talk about everything from what it is to be coaches. Like, apparently I'm on a roll. I'm just talking to my coach friends. <laughs> uh, what it is to, to do the work that she does as a coach, what it is to be embodied, and what uh, we've been learning. Now, just to let you know, this conversation happened way, way, way back, like a, probably close to two or three months ago. Um, I was in the middle of uh, finishing school and coronavirus was just, we were still calling it coronavirus instead of COVID-19 at that point. So if there's a little bit of uh, um, tone deafness in the conversation, you're just like, why aren't they talking about something that's important? It's because this conversation happened a while back. So there's that. Anyways, I love you. So grab yourself something to drink, um, move around a little bit and enjoy this conversation with the one and only, the magical, the fantastic, the sexy lady herself, Jamie Lee Finch. slash uh, getting to hang out with you this for me is a treat so i love this so much i'm so excited also how have we not ever done this before i i think it's because like we we're just like i don't want to like bring it in it's like it's one of those uh once we like make it a work thing it's like <sighs> that's it you're right and I, you're and i try to right. like uh like because jamie's over here in my friendship category mm -hmm. like and I want everyone to like read her work, but also I don't want to like, I don't want to make our relationship about work. Job. Yeah. yeah, I get that. That makes so much sense. And I also like, podcasts don't feel like work to me, maybe because I don't have one and I'm just a guest on other people's. Mm. And it's not because I talk for a living in my client sessions, but it's a totally different kind of talking that it mm -hmm. feels like client session talking is work and podcast talking is play. Mm -hmm. And most of the podcasts I've done have just been people I think are cool that I feel like talking to, and then they, it just gets recorded, and then I sell a bunch of books. So I'm like, cool, that's great, that's awesome. It's the it's the best. I love doing yeah. it, and I'm so, so I, glad you love having a podcast because I would hate having a podcast. And so I'm, many people been like, Jamie, when are you gonna start your podcast? Never, never, ever, never. Just at any like point. because it definitely takes work, and it definitely mm -hmm. takes dedication, and. Yeah. I'm I'm learning to love the process again after um, taking time off to write the book and get my stuff out there. So my, I'm kind of like relearning. I'm like, oh, this doesn't have to be the exact same thing as it was before. Mm -hmm. And so giving myself permission to be more flexible with deadlines. And um, also it's just like, you know, I usually stack all my podcasts. Like I have a bunch of interviews lined up. And so there's like five or six that are like pre-corona. And now all these interviews are like, Someone's like, so if this if this conversation sounds tone deaf, yeah, it's because you, ha you honestly you have to do those kind of disclaimers. Like I had written my whole my whole automation sequence for my like coven launch, like my newsletter launch, and then was going to do like another push for another round of client consultations so that I could start working on my course. Like the whole thing was planned out, and I wrote all that automation uh, the weekend before the tornado hit Nashville, and oh, then the tornado no. hit, and I was like. I just have to go do all that stuff. And so like my, my life was like put on hold for a week mm -hmm. and then I was going to launch cause the tornado hit the second and I was going to launch on the seventh. And I was like, that doesn't, that feels tone deaf for me right now. I can't just let like my, you know, things do business as usual when like my city is in. Yeah. Table. When my life is not business yeah. as usual. And then a few days after tornado cleanup was like not done, but a few days after, you know, I felt like that was kind of, that phase was coming to a close, a close. It was like, all right, everyone buy two weeks worth of groceries because you're going to be stuck in your apartment for the foreseeable future. And I was like, okay, so, um, yeah, I'm just going to leave the auto, like all the stuff I wrote for it. It's just sitting in there. Cause it doesn't make sense now. And it's, mm -hmm. I'm fine with that, but I'm trying to figure out what comes next, but it is this like, 
You can't <sighs> just, you honestly can't use any of the content you made before March, 2020 <laughs> without telling people, Hey, I made this before March, 2020. I'm not just ignoring what's going on. Yeah. I didn't know yet. Yeah. It's it like, we didn't know. Uh-uh. And it's, I think in some ways, like it does give us a little bit of a break from the thing. Cause I'm having conversations with folks around, you know, body, sex, love, faith, religion, mm-hmm. et cetera. So like, it does help with, I think giving people a little bit of a mental break. So yeah. I'm thankful sure. for that. So I would love to talk to you about, you know, a little bit about your shit and what you do. Um, but, you know, the question I always tell people is just like, you are at a party and, you know, someone comes up and is like, hey, you look like an interesting person. What's your deal? And you would say. I hate that question. I'm kidding. Now, I will, I say, <laughs> now, I will say the person you're encountering is not a rude person. They're not a like, it's like, do I want to tell them what I do or do I want to tell them right. that I'm a consultant? Well, because you're right. Because, well, because first of all, even the premise, you're like, so you're at a party. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at home. I I'm forced you. Oh, you're right. To a party. And then, so I forced you to come out. No, even pre-quarantine, like quarantine, I'm at home. I'm not at a party. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, like, if I'm out most of the time I'm just like I am the coach and and I don't go into it much beyond that um but Mm -hmm. then everyone's like oh a life coach and I'm like no no I have to explain what it is because I'm not one of those which is fine I'm just not but um how do I explain what it I also feel like every time I want to try and explain what it is I do or how I do it it feels like I have to rethink it because I'm like yeah new every day um but I I mean I guess the best way I've ever found to describe it is that I um I mean, I'm a, I'm a space holder for a living, I hold space for people. And the particular space that I most enjoy holding and feel best equipped to hold is as a relationship coach between humans and their own bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so regardless of what kind of human you are and what kind of body you have, because um, I think a lot of people are under the impression that I only work with like female identified individuals. And that's super not true um, mm-hmm. because I don't feel like this or not feel, I don't, don't believe that all that this work of learning how to be with our bodies and know our bodies as like friends and partners Mm -hmm. um is work just for like you know women um even though a lot of what's marketed out there to people knowing and loving their bodies is marketed towards like you know you know women so anyway um work with all genders all bodies uh anyone who has a body uh, i want to teach you that that body is a person not an object and that that person is not only just a person but is your partner and your best friend and your closest companion and everything mm-hmm. that they have ever done has been in the direction of communicating necessary information to you and to try and make you as safe and as well and as loved as possible. Um, so there's a lot that comes along with that. Um, sometimes it touches on relationships to food. Sometimes it touches on relationships to sex and sexuality and anything, you know, anything else in between mm-hmm. that you can possibly imagine. A lot of people who are coming out of religious, like fundamentalist and authoritarian religious backgrounds who are learning like, oh, my body matters as much as my spirit. And maybe I was lied to inside of that world about some things related to my body. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it covers a lot of um, a lot of ground, but the, the main point of the work is to learn that the person of your body is someone worth knowing um, mm-hmm. and that you are able to communicate with compassionately. Yes, I think that's where people get really tripped up. It's just like, well, how do how do I do that? Like, just tell me the quick fix. Like, tell me what to do. And I'm like, <sighs> I mean, yeah. I could tell you how I do it right now, but I've also yeah. been practicing. Yes, that's it. That's totally it. And that is too, like why, you know, I, not just because I think it's a container that makes sense to me, but the holding a, the coach container being like a set program length of, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not a licensed therapist. So it's not an open-ended, um, space where we come into and we have like specific goals it's I'm teaching a specific skill and it's not a skill that I can just give you three bullet points you know in a in like a one you know (laughs) or like you buy I just I feel like there's a lot of uh stuff in the coaching world that's like let me teach you this method and I'm like that doesn't work for I mean I have some feelings about that but in particular I'm like but if your body's a person and relationship with all people is always nuanced and always layered and always mm-hmm. a long-term process. Like this is going to be nuanced and layered in the long-term process. So yes. if you hold space together for a length of time, four to six months, um, which is how long I work with people, then 
you're building a habit, you're gaining some tools and beginning to build a habit that then you and your body get to be co like partners and co-teachers and for the rest of your life. It's not mm. that we're flipping a switch in a set length of time or that I can just give you, oh, here's the bullet points of how to like know your body as a friend and mm-hmm. off with you. Like it's not, it's not that simple. And like you're yeah. saying too, it's something that I've been doing for years through this like specific paradigm. So I think there's unfortunately a lot of the perception like via social media mm-hmm. of like, no, <laughs> to put it really simply, um, I was doing this work internally before anybody knew who the fuck I was on the internet. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of like, oh, you guys are seeing me six years into this process. Yes. You didn't see all that before because I didn't largely didn't even write about it or share any of it publicly anyway. So this is not a realistic place to anticipate yourself being in tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Or in six months. Yes. Like, yeah. like it's like, I, when I'm working with my clients, I'll always tell them like, I am not here to fix you. I'm here to just open up your perception to show you that you are capable of healing yourself. Yes. And just showing you and just saying, just like, if you like, yes, you've got a measurable goal of, I want to feel better. I want to feel good in my skin. I want to feel good about my desires. Um, And I think also just the thing of, I want to feel good. Mm. Foreign concept for people. Yeah. Foreign concept that like you are allowed to feel good. Yeah. And that is such a beautiful thing when you see other people starting to get it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think the like personifying our bodies is so vital to doing that work too, because Mm -hmm. we would never look at another person and be like, sorry, you're not allowed to feel good or get upset with them when they're pursuing feeling good Mm -hmm. and, and use the language of being like selfish or, and maybe sometimes, but you know, far less often, are we going to look at someone else that we are in relationship with and that we love and accuse them of doing something wrong in their pursuit of feeling good and feeling stable, feeling safe, feeling healthy, feeling well, mm-hmm. and experiencing pleasure? Most of us are going to look at someone else that we love and trust and be like, yeah, I celebrate you in that. Go for it. And yet somehow with us, it stops. And we're like, oh, I'm not allowed to. And that's why this work of like, well, if your body is a person, you almost kind of um, separate in order to reintegrate. It's mm-hmm. kind of this... I, I say a lot in my session, it's a kind of like sneaky kind of like backdoor entryway into these ambiguous concepts of like self-love and self-care. Because a lot of times we get tripped up on the self part of that because many of us have been taught that doing anything self-based is selfish or sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm like, oh, my body's a person and I'm advocating on her behalf or I'm doing things for the sake of her. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like this, like, again, it's not, it's not, to- she's not objectified. I'm not, she's not separated from me, but I'm, I'm coming into a space of learning how to love myself by using all those same tools mm-hmm. that I've been taught about how to love someone else that I'm in mm-hmm. relationship with. And that's why <sighs> her being a her matters so much. She can't be an it for that mm-hmm. work to actually work. Yeah. Something I've been um, going, working on myself with was, and it's like, shout out to you for turning me on to the, the spiral dance, which I have gone back and revisited so often, but what I've realized in my work um, of like, you know, studying, you know, more magic and craft work and studying, it's all, I'm like, this is first of all, like, is all process theology, if we want to get into like the weird things of it. But the, what, what I found so beautiful is like, as I was reading it, like the, there was like a section of like, where does the male find himself within like the religion of a goddess? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And something it says just like, find yourself as a child in the womb being knit together and being loved and being birthed and being, you know, cared for and being restored. And I I think about like, I go back through my life. I was raised by my mom pretty much. And like all the women of my family Mm -hmm. and I turned out to be this lovely sensitive creature. And for so long, I was so uncomfortable with like not being able to fit into what a stereotypical male was thought to be. Mm. Um, So for a lot of my work, on the front end is like, I really leaned into like my femme energy and I still love doing it. Um, and it's like, because I've been able to just like destigmatize my desire and my want of presenting femme, mm. um, it's almost like that feminine power that lives within me is, is now able to hail, hail, heal, <laughs> has been able to heal the the male aspect of my body and my personhood that doesn't feel worthy yeah and it has been really cool for me to like even I'll call my body he most of the time 
but like you know like she they because like we're all over the place depending on the moment but like being referring my body as him and like what does he want what does he need I often think of it as like um when we all like the hot new trend in therapy is uh we talk people talk about reparenting themselves Mm -hmm. and I often think that anytime I'm feeling a fearful emotion or an emotion that causes me to uh not act for my integrity if you will mm-hmm. I often ask I was like what do, what do you need buddy what's going on and I'll talk to my I literally will talk to myself mm-hmm. and I'll say hey you're pretty stressed out there and he's like yeah I'm really stressed he's like do you need a nap I'm like yeah probably and so and like <laughs> I go I go like one time I was hanging out with a friend and I said oh my god I hate myself no I don't I love myself I'm amazing and he said you went full Smeagol on them right there <laughs> Honestly, that I mean, that's a great metaphor for what it feels like a lot mm-hmm. of times going back and forth between um, agreeing with the fact that you've been taught to mistrust and maybe even hate yourself or at the very least immediately interact with yourself through um, control mm-hmm. and shame, mm-hmm. like learning how to pivot from that to uh, reacting to yourself and getting um doing my client session i had earlier we used the framing of gentle inquiry let's perform some gentle inquiry Mm. about what's going on here um uh and so being able to pivot to instead of um gosh what is the thing i always i'm like putting it to my brain um instead of going pivoting from control to curiosity and pivoting from um Mm. shame to compassion And that is so difficult to do. But again, in all other relationships, we have a metric for this being valuable. Like Mm -hmm. in any other relationship with any other person, if we are constantly in our communication or avoidance of communication, pivoting to shutting down and shutting them down and shutting ourselves down because we are, uh, we're pivoting to shame and control all of the time. You're not going to get anywhere in, in intimacy and in vulnerability and connection. And so we know if you were to go to a relationship therapist, they'd be like, Hey, probably a good good idea to maybe begin to work with moving away from shame and moving towards compassion let's move away from control Mm -hmm. and move towards curiosity those questions of like what's going on with you or um my friend madison she's another coach she uh used the question she said that she uses with herself um so this a few days ago is hey what are you up to right now just like Mm. body checking me like hey what are you up to right now the one that i use a lot um with with my body is kind of like a, a framework it's like or it's like a some phrasing um, and I'll say, I'll start with like, I love you. I'm listening. I'm here. And then see what comes up. And then I'll mm-hmm. say, I thank you. I hear you. Tell me more. Yeah. Or like, tell me more about that. Just like a really, like the way you would want to interact with a child who's having a lot of emotions come That's up. That's it. And don't know how to express me like, I lean in, calm down on their level. I love you. I hear you. Tell me more about that. Tell me why this matters to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not easy. It's definitely not an easy thing to do, but it's very because of the like. I think when you do it the first couple of times, like, and people just say, "Listen to your inner child." Like the ego wants to say, "That sounds so stupid." Yeah, my and first like, like two years of therapy with my old therapist when I first started trauma therapy, I was like literally and metaphorically like arms crossed on the couch, like I know exactly what you're gonna say. No what you're going to tell me you do. I know you're going to tell me this is all about my mom and this is all about my dad and this is all, and you're, you're going to ask me to get compassionate. I was so resistant to the whole idea because it was my ego being like, mm-hmm. I don't know, just deciding. I felt like most of my life I'd watched people try and help me um, mm-hmm. and try and break through those barriers as if I was watching a movie and I was really mm-hmm. critical of the plot because I was like, of course that person would do that thing right now. That's so predictable. How dumb. Mm-hmm. I just resisted the shit out of all of it, which again, makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Um, it's vulnerable. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was a self-protective, um, yeah. self-protective mechanism, but. Yeah. And I think there's like this, this, uh, the fear of it's honestly, I think it's like a life or death kind of fear because mm-hmm. especially for our friends who come out of authoritarian religious systems and conservative religion, it is that scary for them it is that um that serious for them to like begin to question their beliefs like sins their whole like their body has been taught to be afraid of anything outside of the norm and what's yeah. normative so it's really like i always asking like it's a uh, my question is always like well why do you believe what you do um and it's hard even after identifying the lie 
even yeah. after identifying, oh, this system is no longer valid. And yet I'm still working to, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm working to like fit myself into this system or this plot line that really was never built for me that I could not fit myself yeah. into if I tried. Yeah. And if I do, it hurts. Yeah. But I just don't know what else to do because I've never imagined that I could just feel good on my own mm. or feel good about my attractions or feel good about my um, my sex drive or feel good about um, being touched. Yeah. And so there's just the thing I always come back to, like um, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes from The Course in Miracles is, you do not have to believe anything that is untrue unless you choose to for all that may be undone in a moment for it's simply a misperception. Mm-hmm. And it's a both end of just like, it can be that simple. Yeah. But cha- it's as simple and as difficult as changing your mind. Uh, which is exactly what you, it's, a, it's as simple as that. And it's as difficult as that. It's as mm-hmm. immediate as that, as it mm-hmm. is a never ending long-term process of consistently changing your mind, which Jesus talked about too. Listen, always full circle. I can't ever, I can't ever do it. And that's like what I think is like the, why I'm so like, I'm such a course in miracles junkie now. I'm on, I'm on lesson 110 Mm -hmm. and it is all like, it really is about like the thing I've also come up with for myself is what do I need to forgive myself for in this thing? And a lot of times it's like, I don't even really need to ask for forgiveness because I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But my ego is telling me that I did something wrong, that I deserve yeah. this pain that I'm in somehow. Like I didn't listen. I didn't do the right thing. Um, and sure, sure. If you want to like let, I, I sometimes just like, I'll let you have it. Like, sure, maybe I deserve to feel like shit, but guess what? I said I was sorry and I did my best. And I don't know what else you want me to do, ego. And the ego's like, I got nothing to okay. say. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's just like, at the end of it, it's like, for so many things of it, it's like, I think my healing my church, because like now it's one of those things where like, I'm not obsessing what like my old church is doing anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a sign of growth for me. Yeah, it's definitely. like, I'm not like, everyone's like, oh, did you hear what happened with Grace Midtown? I'm like, don't give a no. fuck. No, like, oh, they're doing poorly. I'm just like, eh, I'm not surprised. You yeah. know, they're yeah. living in sand. LOL. <laughs> um, but that's a, that's that for me has allowed me to like I forgave myself for how much time I spent there yeah because there's a part of me that said god I wasted so much time and it's just Mm -hmm. like I mean maybe sure but also you couldn't have done anything different because who you were in that moment that's what you needed to survive apparently that's what you wanted at that time and now you want something different yeah and that's fun and knowing that like I wouldn't be where I am now or have any of the things I have now had I not not only been there and done all that but done it been there for exactly as long as I was Mm -hmm. and done exactly what I did for as long as I did it Mm -hmm. like even the timeline of those things is so fascinating to me too because I mean I have similar internal Mm -hmm. stories like well, your body was sending you signals for years that you mm. didn't know were specific signals of like, I'm unsafe here. I am deeply unwell. Um, it was interesting when I was writing my book um, was the first time when I looked back and realized that every, um, since high school, or I graduated, after I graduated high school was the first time I uh, went and did like, spe- like actual missionary work, not just like going on a trip with my youth group in mm-hmm. high school. More than um, one week. Yeah. So I deferred going to college and moved to the typical white girl thing and went and moved to Africa. Um, Hallelujah. hallelujah. Come on now. Yeah. And I went there (laughs) for seven months. Um, And uh, then after that, there was a different time where I lived in Thailand for a few months, also doing like missionary type stuff. Mm. Um, And then my time in England. um, I think there was, was there one, another one I was thinking of? I kind of classified when I moved to New York because I was doing like nonprofit type stuff. Mm-hmm. there but it wasn't until I was writing my book that I looked back because what got me out of the church space which if anyone's read it they know this is like I started having panic attacks where I like couldn't physically stay in the room of the church I was going to at the time here in Tennessee mm-hmm. um, this was a few months after I'd come back from England 
And so I was beginning to end the research I was doing in school was like, oh, this link between our brains and our bodies, what's going on in our emotional world and how our bodies are telling us the truth about that. Um, and it wasn't until I was like, I was like, oh, okay. So that's like a, something I'm springboarding off of that. I looked back and every time I had like gone on one of those big missionary journeys or what mm -hmm. have you, um, I got debilitatingly physically ill for like chunks of time. And the first time it happened was when I was in Africa. And um, I mean, it's such a long story. I don't need to like super get into it, but my family just started calling what was going on with my body. Like we, when I got back from Africa, doctor after doctor after doctor, they could not figure out what was wrong with me. We just started calling them my spells, but they never happened when I was just here in the States or just living, you know, normally. They only came up, like I hadn't had them for, I hadn't had a spell for, a while. And then after a few weeks of being in Thailand, it happened again. And I had to go mm. to like the hospital in this village and like, they didn't, again, no one ever figured wrong. out what's wrong with me. And so it was just this like fascinating thing. I say all this to say, like, look at when I was writing it and looking back being like, Oh my God, my body was sending me these emergency messages since I was 18 years old. Yeah. So get me the fuck out of here. And I didn't know it. And so I didn't do it. And so there's that part of me that's like, God damn it. I'm so sorry. I wish we had left before. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, but then like literally this wouldn't exist. Like I wouldn't have my job. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have all the things I have now. And a lot of the relationships I have mm -hmm. had things not happen exactly as they happened. Mm -hmm. So there is this, um, there is this space for, like you're saying, it's kind of like self-forgiveness. Um, my, uh, I had a session with this woman who's an emotional alchemist back in January. Cool. And she gave me this idea of forgiveness, which was something like I've never heard before. Hmm. And <clears throat> she was like, you know, a lot of people, you know, call forgiveness one thing or will explain forgiveness in certain ways. She's like, I want you to imagine um, like a giant banquet table. And it's after a feast. And so, you know, there's spilled wine on the, on the tablecloth and there's like bits of food everywhere. And chicken bones. Lots of chicken, chicken bones. Yeah, I, I pictured that too. I was like a medieval feast for whatever reason. Just like, yeah. you know. I'm also picturing like the streets of Atlanta because there's always chicken bones everywhere. Just look <laughs> that down. Too. Yep. Perfect for dogs. Um, <laughs> and, and so like, she's like, imagine just like post feast, just everything is, you know, and she's like, I think a lot of times people think forgiveness is like cleaning up the mess means like, okay, this long, like one thing at a time, let me scrape all that, like, you know, like do it, like basically turning, you know, picking up the glasses, pouring out the, mm -hmm. all the liquids, like gathering all the food scraps, getting rid of that, get, put the dishes in the dishwasher or like clean them by hand, roll up to hit the tablecloth, like this long process. She was like, I want you specifically to start thinking about forgiveness as you just hands off of something you can't fucking fix anymore. And so what you're doing instead mm -hmm. of this like lengthy process at the end of your expense of yourself of trying to put everything back where it belongs, I want you to go in and take your arm and just run it down the length of the table and just say, mm. fuck it. And it's all, and you're done. That's it. You're done. Don't fix it. Don't touch it. Don't do a single thing. You just like scrape everything off that table. That's the end of it. Yeah. And just this like, it was, it was an amazing analogy, but I also noticed the resistance coming up in my body. Like, but I can still fix it. Mm -hmm. But that's not right because I still need to fix it. I still need to clean it up. I still need to clean up the mess. And she's mm -hmm. like, make the mess and leave it. Let it go. Walk away. Mm -hmm. Because like a lot of times it's like we perceive that we could fix those messes. Yeah. Like we think it's just like if I just stay long enough. That's it. If I just hold on long enough, I can fix my partner. I can mm -hmm. fix this relationship. I can fix my mother, my father. I can fix my best friend who's struggling with X, Y, Z. I can fix my depressed friends. And it's a form of self-forgiveness to just leave the mess. Mm -hmm. just leave the mess. It's not my mess. And not your mess. Stop making it try and be my mess. Just fucking walk away. <laughs> yeah. Just like, cause like go do something fun. Do go yeah. to like, and also a lot of the times, like if it's a mess that we can't clean up and we try to keep fixing it, we're making it worse. That's it. Yes. You know, yeah. I, I think about like in some of my old relationships, like, you know, I did some, I, I think about like the fucked up, even like if I did do some fucked up shit in my old relationships and I did, uh, I can't fix my ex, you know, I can't help him process the things I did in our relationship. I, and so yep. when I was sitting in my, um, my therapist office of like maybe like a month or so ago and 
she, I, she, she told me, she's like, Kevin, you know, you bring him up almost every single session. Right. And I was like, what? And she's like, you don't notice that? I'm like, no. And she's like, Kevin, I feel like you harping on it. What a bad person you are is just an excuse to doing the work of actually letting it go. And it just like hit me right there. And almost like in an instantaneous moment, like I had this like moment of like, he's sitting across from me on the night that I left. And I was just saying, Hey, you're forgiven. You, you, you messed up. It's okay. And you can't stay anymore. You're forgiven. And that to me, just like, it's like, what else are we going to (laughs) do? And it sounds like so simple. Great question. It sounds so simple and so dumb or whatever, but it's like, yeah. I mean, would you rather, and this is the question I have for my, myself all the time, is like, would you rather stay here in, you know, just feeling shitty about yourself and the shitty, shitty, shitty things you did, or would you like a treat? Do you want to go outside? Do you want to like, <laughs> it's, like, it's, like it's like, do you need to eat something? It's just like, do you want to go have fun instead? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I really would like to have fun. And that was kind of Catherine's whole point is like, how much time are you spending trying to clean up that table? You could just sweep the whole thing and go do something the fuck else. That's it. Like You get get your life back. You get your life life back. back. You get your life back. Yeah. And it's wild. And it's like, we don't even realize how much time we're giving away. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. like the, um, it's like the future you, who you want to be, the happier you already exists inside of you. And it's also this thing of just like, you gotta, it's like, I gotta, the time, I think forgiveness is like the, 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 sh- the time shortening thing. Like it shortens the time between this person I know I can be and want to be and who I am. It's just like, yeah. and oftentimes it's wow. just a, if I can forgive myself for what I think I did, like the part of me that is loving and kind the part of me that is dedicated and committed the part of me that wants to give all of my heart to someone in a romantic sort of situation that person already is there and is ready and um all I have to do is just it's all I have to do is decide right and I hate putting a platitude out there but like it like it's the (laughs) it's the most infuriatingly joyful thing ever because it's like when I allow myself to slow down like the I think that's like why my practices these days like are so important to me is because as I sit with it as I do my work of healing and like this is and again like like you said like we're six five and six years into the our own work and you know like I don't want like I know that not everyone's healing is going to look like mine but I know that like I think now more than ever I'm convinced that the practices that I have developed are going to be something that are going to help Mm. people and also the reason I know that is because it's helping me yeah and I don't think it's I feel like a lot of people are just like that sounds like really egotistical and I said it is egotistical of me not to to agree with God not Mm -hmm. to agree with my own body when he Mm -hmm. says bitch you got this yes yeah Hmm. yeah Mm. okay so let's dive into the book real quick just because that has been um such a gift to me and to so many people reading through it and really understanding what I went through. Like that was, that was such a gift. So uh, tell us about your book. You are your own. Well, I have my, the one that got you kicked off Instagram. (laughs) Well, that was a team (laughs) effort between the two of us. Yeah. Well, actually, here's the thing. It really wasn't because it wasn't about the cover. It was about the content. That's what got me kicked off. So, but because you said Christianities are shitty peoples, it was a hate speech because I was targeting a specific group of people. They kicked you off for hate speech. That's so stupid. Yeah, you know, because like the original cover that you, because I don't Mm -hmm. know if you'll know this, but Kevin's the reason why the ebook first existed. Because they're so wonderful and helpful and lovely, and I did not know how to do any of that shit. It was a lot of fun. I loved it. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so we you found a really cool like stock photo image, which was I still think it's so beautiful. And at first, I thought I got kicked off because of that image, even though even that image doesn't violate any of mm-hmm. terms and policies. But um, 
I eventually uh, discovered that it was because um, the when it comes to like Instagram and Facebook, if they perceive you to be targeting a specific group of people, um, <laughs> the biggest one being like, it literally just call out white men, like that's like hate speech. <laughs> Which I'm like, oh shit, well that's gonna be a problem. Uh, Jamie, you were specifically targeting these poor, persecuted white men. I mean and and their god. The thing that got me kicked off Instagram is the thing that allowed me to graduate is that my my advisors were like, you have to get specific. You can't just say all Christianity is bad. You can't just say all evangelical Christianity is bad. Like you've mm-hmm. got, you've got to like dig in and get specific. So I was like, oh, it's white evangelical Christianity with these mm-hmm. four beliefs. But the more specific I got with it, that's what made it hate speech is because it was a specific group. Oh my gosh. That's what- Literally, if I just been like, I hate Christianity, I wouldn't have gotten kicked off of Instagram because it's too ambiguous too, too it's Christianity, but it's like even what you know anyway anyway wow, wow 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 cool yeah. cool yeah but that but like you were saying like it has helped I'm really I love so much hearing from you and so many people that this helped people see themselves and understand their own experience because and I'm kind of I'm I will be perpetually in awe of that being something mm. I was somehow able to give away to people because it yeah. was two two plus years two and a half years of me trying my fucking heart to understand what happened to me. And then that's how this existed was me just trying to understand what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And so that, but that's again, the irony of my supposed hate speech is I was like, but I, I was a white evangelical Christian. I'm just talking about my specific background. So that's the only, that's the only, um, the only thing I'm educated to speak on is I can't, I can't speak on different forms of Christianity or different forms, or I can't speak on it from a perspective of having like a racial background that I don't have. Like mm-hmm. the only one I'm allowed to speak to and equipped to speak to is the one I came from because I have tons of experience in that one. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really, really amazing in the last, uh, it was almost exactly a year ago right now that mm. the um, ebook uh, and audiobook were officially out. And so the, it's been a bit shorter. I think the, we started doing the print on demand um, in like summer, last summer. I'm not sure exactly when, but it's been cool in this last year to see how much it's resonated with people and, and specifically what you said, like helped people see their own stories and experiences inside of mm-hmm. just telling mine, which is was so hard and was also so worth it to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's a brilliant book. And I think you do a really delightful job of um, balancing both the brutal honesty of the story with good, good poetry, in my opinion. Thank it's you. just really good. And I think that like <clears throat> the reason that I, I know that it's, I mean, like, just like, it's, you know, my favorite feedback is not all my, you know, good connection friends saying, oh, it was so good. My favorite one is the Instagram DM that says, uh, your book has helped me. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yep. Um, and I think that it's really interesting. I mean, it's really interesting to be alive right now. <laughs> what a stupid statement. <laughs> but just like, it really, it. but like, it, if if I were to like, look around it's like oh like those who have the eyes to see it are saying it's like oh we can see the holes in you know civil religion yeah and we can see we can finally see how civil white american christianity in the evangelicalism is the antithesis of what we would actually hope a healthy religion to look like or even a healthy society and part of that is because it's obsessed with civility it's obsessed with decorum. It's obsessed mm. with like maintaining these um, units, like like the nu- like nuclear family, or like these units mm. that are <clears throat> that appear like palatable um, to the way that capitalism and white supremacy um, has kind of like structured our world. White evangelical Christianity fits perfectly, and patriarchy mm. as well fits perfectly in there because it upholds with some lovely civility, some nice mm-hmm. floral printed civility, like yeah. it upholds these oppressive structures. And so again, since that is <clears throat> that, since that religion is so powerful and is so well financed, then it does become this so thing well where it's financed. like, it's like actual real religion, actual real spirituality and actual real Christianity gets labeled as being uncivil and as being like, un. um, 
oh, I mean, an there's American. lots of words you can like, on a, like, well, I mean, that one definitely, but just like unpalatable, like unattractive, like, oh no, just stay, like stay in line. Like, or the thing you hear a lot um, from a lot of white folks whenever there's, or at least I grew up outside St. Louis. And so um, definitely in the, in the immediate aftermath of Mike Brown's murder, um, but then for the next few years after with everything that was going on in Ferguson and, and beyond, you'd hear this talking point of like, well, they just need to, you know, just, you just need to like resist in a different way, or they just need to, you know, um, protest and protest in nonviolent ways. So then yeah. uh, a bunch of uh, Black Lives Matter activists like put their bodies on the stretch of Highway 70. And it was like a deeply symbolic act because of what, where Highway 70, like what it mm. connects and a whole big whole big thing if you grew up in St. Louis you understand why they chose that spot but what it did is it kept white people from being able to get to work on time and so it was this whole like well I thought you said nonviolent protest was fine well yeah but not that kind mm-hmm. uh, what do you mean like so it's, it's like just w- this like it upholds this institution this religious institution upholds civility in mm-hmm. an impressive manner when really actually arguably Jesus um and many other uh mystics and and spiritual mm-hmm. teachers like him were in fact trying to show why civility is a prison and we're talking about like no 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 revolution and restoration and justice only happens when you mm-hmm. stop valuing civility at the cost of you know uh at the cost of justice and at the cost of human life but white evangelicalism is obsessed with civility and that's that's one of the biggest I mean, there's a laundry list of problems, but that's a big problem is it thinks that like upholding civility and maintaining decorum is like the highest measure of morality. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And for them, it's so, and what's so crazy is like, they don't even realize how very afraid they are Mm -hmm. of, of God (laughs) and of stepping out of line. And I think of them like of each other. Yeah. It's like, and like, they would never know that they were afraid because they were never taught to feel that kind of like for them it's just like oh no that's the holy like they're they're the fear that lives in them it's like that's the holy spirit's conviction i'm like nah dude that's shame that's been mm-hmm. heaped on you mm-hmm. is different it's a spirit of shame honey. yeah yes but i mean yeah i mean tell them that they're not gonna listen there was some so i want to pick your brain about something interesting like um a few years ago it was like right after the 2016 elections um I was having a friend with someone and I said, people keep saying to me this, like, I shouldn't uh, shame people for voting for Trump. And then I'm sitting there, I'm just like, well, I'm not shaming them. I'm just simply telling them that it was wrong. And if you feel ashamed of it, maybe it's because you did, like, when you, if you feel shame, two things are happening. One of two things is happening. Either one, the source of your shame is not real and you can disregard it and you can go on with your life and you know heal from that or you're doing something you should be ashamed of <laughs> and i'm wondering i'm like it's just like i don't want you to feel ashamed i want you to change your mind yeah, yeah. i want you to not i want you to vote for somebody who's going to keep me and my friends alive i want you to vote for healthcare i want don't, you to don't be sorry be better yeah it's it's <laughs> It's like, it's, it's not that difficult. It's like, this is, this isn't, this is like both like the most personal and the most not personal thing in the world. It's like, I'm not telling you something you don't already know. Well, and that's the thing is like this, uh, hypersensitivity to when we recognize a name injustice and then that re that action of like, Oh, don't shame me or don't shame them. And I think what you're saying is brilliant of like, no, no, I'm, I'm just calling attention to what is unjust. I'm calling attention to behavior decisions, systems that are by definition Mm -hmm. unjust. And if there are people who have participated or Mm -hmm. intentionally knowingly or unknowingly participated, but especially intentionally made choices to uphold those systems of injustice and they feel what they know to be the somatic experience of shame in their bodies as I'm pointing at this thing, that's not on me. <laughs> like I didn't do that. That's I didn't it. do that to you. <laughs> and that's also, I think, is a good marker of like what is true or what is real. Mm-hmm. Um, the Course the Course in Miracles, mm-hmm. in the first page says, the Course can be summed up in these two sentences. Nothing real can be threatened and nothing unreal exists. And so when I, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> hold on. Wow. wow. Yeah. It, so that, that premise is like a lot of like, it, 
your eyes. Oof. I, sorry that I just wrecked your whole day. No, that is, I only have one session after this and then the rest of my day is just time to live in my brain. So this yeah. is perfect. Um, I love that statement because I think about it like in practices of faith or um, just like what I do now, like now that like I'm finally okay with saying I'm a witch and mm-hmm. doing practices and not being afraid of, of saying that because um, yeah. it's true. And that's the yeah. thing is like what I'm doing and when I, re- when I remember that nothing I'm doing needs defending, yeah. nothing I'm doing can yeah. actually be threatened yeah. by this big old system. So my my thing, my 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 thought is like as I'm going, as we're going around calling out injustice, when people are threatened or they get offended or they get upset with me because I'm saying that what you're doing is hurting me, if you feel threatened by that, one of, again, one of two things is happening. Either I'm lying and it's not true, mm. or B, um, because you can be threatened you might like, is your faith really true? Is if your my faith is being shaken. I'm like, if your faith can be shaken by a question, is it, uh, how stable is it? Yeah. And well, that's and again, I, well, here's the thing is too, is I think, I think any, any trustworthy faith deserves to be shaken by questions mm-hmm. all the time, constantly. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, uh, false measure too, of like, Oh, that's, you know, that's shaking my faith. And even when we project that back and we're like, well, how stable is your faith then that that could possibly be shaken? I don't, I think there's this, like, um, I was actually just talking with someone about this because I had some, some interactions last week with, uh, a few different people that I'm in, uh, various capacities, like connected and intimate with. And then also like, you know, just, we just know each other on the, on the internet, but there was this mm-hmm. one day last week that was so fascinating because I had three different interactions and people in various spots of connection who all are um, white women in like the spiritual kind of world, like the very mm-hmm. kind of up here, like up in the clouds kind of spiritual world. Like the new um, agey homegirls. Yeah. And it went, and, and they, there is some sort of conflict that was happening um, in all three of these situations. Uh, two of them are people I've, I'm very close to in relationship with, and it was just miscommunication. And, you know, we were all committed to resolving. And one of them was a woman I've just been connected to an online space and, I mean, she straight up attacked me at 8.30 in the morning and, like, was committed to misunderstanding me. Mm. Stuff I didn't even know where some of the stuff she was getting was coming from. It was, very, it was very interesting. I know now she's kind of known for doing this. Anyway, my point being, I took it and resolved what I could and then let go of what I couldn't. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, this woman was committed to misunderstanding me. My two friends were not committed to misunderstanding me, and they mm-hmm. were committed to our relationship, so things, got, things were communicated and resolved. But it, it started me thinking about my own relationship to even these like, like ideas of, you know, um, tra- trading one form of spirituality for another. And even my own relationship to like uh, witchcraft or mm-hmm. using these intuitive tools like tarot and crystals and, and stuff like that. Because I've had some, I had some people who know me really well and love me a lot who were, I was processing this with them. And they, three different people brought up the same kind of thing where they're like, you are kind of, you're more in your body than these three individuals are. They're kind of just like in their spirit. They're kind of mm-hmm. way up here. And right. you've got a groundedness to what you do for a living and what you communicate and just how your brain works and how you process things like through your body. There's a little bit more earth to what you're doing. Right. Um, and so you just kind of speak a bit of a different language than these, you know, three women. And it, again, it just, I was like, huh, okay, how comfortable am I with shaking my own faith in or my own belief in mm. or my own connection to these tools? Because all three of these, again, all three of these women, they do like astrology and tarot and Reiki and that kind of stuff for a living. That's the, mm-hmm. their jobs. And I had someone that knows me very well kind of point out like, but Jamie, think about what all these people do for a living. And it wasn't a judgmental statement. It was, they speak one very specific language most of the time. You don't really speak that language most of your time. And I was like, oh, you're right. And so I just, I started just thinking about like, even my own relationship to uh, my relationship and and what I hope a lot of people are are doing as well is not making even alternative spiritual practices another form of fundamentalism. I think like, oh, you know, energy work is the thing. And like I love evangelical Christianity, but now I found the real stuff, and it's spell work, and it's you know sigil magic, and it's this. And I 
And again, everyone's in their own process. Everyone's got their own thing. But I, I at least for myself, want to make sure that I am not dipping over into this idea or telling myself this false story that like, I, I know, and I have no more questions because now I figured it out. Um, and I do think that there very often comes up in these spaces, uh, of any sort of spiritual practice, whether it's pagan or, you know, authoritarian religion or anything where you can dip into this, like I'm beyond the, this idea, this, this lie that I'm beyond questioning what's going on. Mm, I'm beyond critique. Yes. I'm beyond critique. I'm beyond mystery. I'm beyond wonder. Um, very often for me, I know even my own relationship to some of these maybe more witchy or intuitive tools has been in an effort to take control and to understand Mm. my experience or someone else's experience in a way where it, it, I'm trying to avoid vulnerability and I'm like asking the cards instead of having a hard conversation. Like, and that is how you end up dipping into fundamentalism ultimately is by trying Mm -hmm. to engage control rather than that curiosity of like, can I just tell myself that I don't know what's going on here and just let that be okay. And then Mm -hmm. just talk with other people really vulnerably about the fact that we don't really know what's going on here. And that's fine too. Yeah. That is so spot on. Cause like, I think again, like when we, when we leave our authority, like when we leave our home, we're looking for a new home. And oftentimes like, We have to realize, I'm just like, listen, in the wild, wild west of spirituality out here, in freedom, in freedom land, mm-hmm. you know, you got your tent. And sometimes you have a collection of tents with your friends. But a lot of times, like, your 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 body's going to ask you to break camp and keep moving because your body desires mm. that motion. And your body yeah. desires to get where it wants to go. Yeah. I don't want to get but, stuck anywhere. I really, I, yeah. mean, I really don't. I really, really don't. Yeah, I, I feel myself like... I, but I'm, I, I think I'm I'm less scared of the question. I don't fear questions at all. Like I don't even fear or like when I go home and visit my family and, you know, like I am who I am on the internet. And so like, I don't like, I don't exactly tone myself down at home, but I'm not exactly putting out like a whole altar at home either. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but like, cause I think all, what's so funny is like my family, like we're all talking about the same thing on the, the, deep 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 level yeah and I find that like when I'm able to um kind of like see what the the my family is saying like the thing behind the thing behind the thing mm-hmm. I'm like oh but you're getting like you get caught up in these things don't you let's, yeah. let's talk about this thing mm-hmm. um I just think it's if I can all if I can be as curious with myself, if I can be curious with myself, I can also be curious with others. And I think it also, that has been part of my healing is I'm no longer threatened yeah. by anybody. Even if someone like from an authoritarian background wants to question me and was like, who do you think Jesus is? It's like, oh, I believe that Jesus was a son of God. And I also say, I'm just like, but so are you under my breath. <laughs> That's the fun part. It's like, I think it's like, I believe what I believe it's like, it's not my, I always told uh, my name dropping Sue Ann again. Sue Ann said one time, it was not a problem that I didn't believe my pastors. It's that I did believe them. Yes. Yeah. It's like, it's like <laughs> God loves you so much. and will never do anything. Leave you. And just like, really? That's so great. Yeah. It's like, just like, you know, if you just listen for the spirit, God's always talking. Really? And then I oh, did. Oh, is she? Fascinating. Ooh, ooh. And then I listened and then I was like, cool. I think it's just gonna be the two of us talking now. And then those pastors are like, no, 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 that's not. You gotta be in community. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's always my thing. I'm just like, y'all always forget. Like, people forget, like, Jesus didn't make Christianity. People did. Mm -hmm. Silly, silly people. Well, we love you. People are forgetting that Jesus was Jewish in the first place. I don't know how you missed that part, but. (laughs) Come on, somebody. That was my conversation with the incredible Jamie Lee Finch. Jamie, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Girl, I miss you. I cannot wait till the world opens up again so we can sit across from each other and drink really boozy cocktails. You know, that just sounds right in my spirit. Anyways, if you want to get in touch with Jamie for any and all things, you can check out uh, jamieleefinch.com. And if you're curious about her coven, it's open for business, baby. You can get in on that. All the details are over on her website, 
Jamie is an incredible woman, an incredible healer, and somebody who I respect so very much. So please, uh, if you're interested in her stuff, go hit her up. She has got so much, uh, so much gift, so many gifts to give the world, and I, uh, I can't be, can't be more expressive. Like I wish I could. Like there's just so much good that comes with with knowing and working with her. So. That's jamieleefinch.com. Jamie, I love you. I'll talk to you later. That's it for today's episode, y'all. We did it. We made it through another week. So go ahead and if you haven't already, please uh, leave us a review and rating in Apple Podcasts because it really does help uh, get this in front of people. Like it literally takes two seconds. And if you haven't done it and you've been listening for 111 episodes, like, come on, baby, you know, give a, give a, give a little back what this podcast has given unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, remember the workshops coming up very soon. I hope you will sign up for that. Um, you should go get my book. You should go get Jamie's book for that matter. It's called, um, it's called you are your own. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. Anyways, I love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of a tiny revolution. So until next time, please take your meds, drink your water, move your body in a way that feels good. Make sure you eat something delicious. Are you getting at least, at least six to eight hours of sleep a night? If not, baby, you need to go take a nap because you deserve it. You deserve it. Um, I love you. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of A Tiny Revolution. Um, You're great. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. And I look forward to talking with y'all again soon. Bye.